Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. What is ISIS plotting for 2019? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Today we're gonna to be talking about some of ISIS's uh, ways of wishing you a happy new year for 2019. What is ISIS plotting? Well, <laughs> you can bet it's not good. Um, not only are they have, do they have plots that they are trying to get lone wolves to carry out in the United States, as always, of course, but these are, these are worse than usual. Um, let's put it this way, it's, they're more creative than usual and, um, and very dangerous. But not only that, not only are they you know, trying to recruit people to lone wolves to carry out attacks in the U.S., but there are, there's also an increase in the number of Americans who are going to either, who are going to the Middle East to join ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Um, there have been some recent captures of Americans there. Now, it's, it's not clear that there's a, an increase, actually, but I'm going to tell you about two examples today that will blow you away. <laughs> yes, literally, if they could. Um, really shocking. People who you would not expect to go to the Middle East and join ISIS or Al-Qaeda. So first, let's start with their plots. Um, they're plotting the year of terror across the, the U.S. And um, their, their motto for the year is uh, smaller but spectacular. That's their new murder motto. They're, they've recognized that it is not easy to um, carry out another attack like 9-11 on that scale. Uh, not, that's not to say that they're still not plotting that, and I'm sure they are, because um, they're just doing it a different way. Um, so what they're doing is picking out targets that are as iconic as the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, and where the plane was going that um, crashed into a Pennsylvania field, which was either the White House or the Capitol building. Um, they are looking now at places like Disney World in Orlando and Washington, D.C. and uh, Las Vegas and London and, um, in other words, places where there would be that panache, um, where the media would uh, where it would make a big splash in the media. And... Um, their particular aim, uh, high on their New Year's resolutions list, um, is a, what they're calling a terror spectacular, which would be launching a chemical weapon attack on Disney World. Now, the way that this has been found out is because of uh, people um, uh, looking at encrypted messaging platforms, such as Telegram. And um, they are trying on Telegram the, these encrypted messages from 
terrorists have talked about making 2019 12 months of slaughter and mayhem. Slaughter and mayhem. And they're, because of um, the, the uh, protections that have been put into place all over the U.S., um, they have had to figure out a more creative way of doing it. Because now, for example, just looking at Disney World, um, it, it would be difficult to sneak in um, weapons like, um, you know, like bombs or guns. Um, and so, you know, because of the security. And so um, instead, ISIS chemists and bomb makers are telling potential lone wolves or potential people who want to join, join them um, to, to use a different method. Now, as it turns out, bottled water is the only outside beverage allowed into uh, Disney World. And ISIS is uh, suggesting, re recommending that um, terrorists exploit this security loophole to bring in fatal toxins in water. I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, this is such a, uh, I mean, you kind of have to wonder why this hasn't happened before. This is not brain surgery. I, I mean, um, even, even when there were other, whether there were other kinds of liquids allowed in or not, um, I mean, the idea of bringing toxins into, into Disney World and into lots of other places, in fact, they're recommending other places, um, that would-be terrorists bring toxic, um, uh, put toxic agents into liquids like water where, you know, where that is allowed, uh, I mean, as it is in Disney World. So, um, so now, you know, the guards at places like Disney World have a false sense of security. First of all, they look in your various places, I'm not just talk, picking on Disney World, but various places, you know, do a cursory look into your purse or into your jacket, or um, if they do that, into something that you might be carrying. It's kind of cursory to begin with. But, um, you know, they're looking for bombs. They're looking for weapons of some sort. They're not looking for water bottles. So um, they're looking for knives, guns, uh, even, even vehicles with ramming attacks. But they're not looking for nerve agents in water bottles. So can you imagine if um, some a uh, couple of guys, a couple of you know, radicalized um, terrorists come to Disneyland and start tossing around water at a Disney parade that has nerve agents in it? And they could do the same thing in a department store in Washington or New York City or a casino or theater in Vegas or any kind of place where they're where there would be this iconic aspect to it and lots of people. Now on Telegram, one um, person who spoke English wrote, let's bring death to the very gates of Mickey Mouse. It's time to strike at Disney in Florida where the ignorant infidels worship their cartoon characters. Let them writhe in agony at our blows. So, um, this, I mean, it's a, it's a chilling, a chilling thought. And, um, 
And the, um, you know, the possibilities, of course, are pretty much endless uh, in, terms of, in terms of iconic places and um, the, the lack uh, of sophistication that it would take to do this. So um, there were, earlier than this, these current uh, urges, these current, this current propaganda, um, there was um, a poster that, that ISIS put out showing a ruined Manhattan skyline and the tagline, soon Allah, soon Allah willing, the disbelievers will see everything they feared. So, so Allah, you know, I keep, I keep trying to say that uh, terrorists have not gone home. I mean, they have not given up, taken their ball and gone home. Um, there is still very much propaganda out there, radicalization out there. And if you think that it's not going to be successful, you're wrong. Because as I'm going to be telling you now, um, there are examples of Americans, there are actually even more examples of people from other countries, like France and the UK, um, people actually going to the Middle East to join ISIS, whether they um, end up on the battlefield or they just help them behind the scenes. Um, there, is, there are people willing to do this. And the two examples I'm going to talk to you about now are really pretty shocking. So uh, I promised that I would give you two examples of Americans who were just recently caught on, one, uh, on, on uh, battlegrounds in the Middle East that you are not going to believe. The first one was a man named Christopher Clark. He's a 34-year-old man from Houston who sent, who was a teacher in Houston, and he sent a resume and cover letter seeking a job with the Islamic State. He has been seized just recently on a battlefield in Syria. Now here's his letter. Um, it's unbelievable. It's like a letter that you would write, um, possibly, or have written, um, to to a company <laughs> to get a job, um, but it's so absurd, it's so surreal that he's writing to ISIS to get a job. All right, dear, in, in a way that we would do it here in the US. Dear director, he wrote, I am looking to get a position teaching English to students in the Islamic State. I was born and raised in the United States and have always loved teaching others and learning from others as well. My work background is largely in English, and I consider working at the University of Mosul to be a great way of continuing my career. That's, good. That's a good opening line for a, for a letter to send to a company, a good opening paragraph, I mean. You must have learned how to do that. I believe that a successful teacher can understand students' strengths and weaknesses and is able to use that understanding in order to help students build on their knowledge of the English language. Once I am aware of my students' language learning needs, I can construct a lesson plan to address their weaknesses. As a teacher, it would be my goal to create a supportive classroom environment and to guide my students in building a solid English foundation. I, um, I, 
it's hard to read some of these things. I have um, I have a long background in teaching a variety of different subjects and have instructed students of all ages of um, very of several schools. This has given me leadership skills and I have learned how to adapt to new situations and environments with ease. Oh yeah, it's gonna be really easy to go from Texas to the Middle East. Furthermore, teaching has given me the opportunity to work with people from diverse cultural backgrounds and learning capabilities. As my resume shows, I have a variety of something, variety of, I have a variety of, I can't really read his, that, as well as work experience. Um, as well as work experience in, is in education, which I believe will make me an excellent English teacher. Please feel free to contact me at your convenience. Thank you for taking the time to consider me. I mean, you know, it looks like actually like a letter that was a template, a letter that he might have sent to schools in America, and he just filled in Mosul instead of, you know, University of Mosul instead of whatever university he was writing to. It, it just seems like incredibly naive, incredibly um, surreal. You have to wonder about this man's mental state. It's signed with the pseudonym Abu Muhammad. So, okay, um, he had, this man once worked as a substitute teacher in the Fort Bend Independent School District in Sugarland, Texas, according to his father. So, you know, his father found out about his son being, in, being um, captured um, on the Syrian battlefield through the news, not through his son, through the news. And, um, so he was saying, you know, that he, his son could draw on his experience as this substitute teacher. I mean, it's interesting. You have to wonder about his, how successful he was as a teacher in the, in the U.S. Um, he is a University of Houston graduate. He moved to Saudi Arabia to teach English and then taught English for three months in Turkey. According to documents that were found in a house in Mosul, Iraq. His resume ends June 2015, and he, so it's assumed that he probably joined the Islamic State after that. So his father is Warren Clark, he's 69. He, of course, just like, you know, most parents or friends of people who turn out to be terrorists, um, he said, my son is a humanitarian, and he absolutely refuses to believe any suggestion that he would throw his lot in with a group like ISIS. My son would not be involved in anything along those lines. Um, my son doesn't have an evil thought in his mind about hurting anyone. Really? Then what was he doing on the battlefield in Syria? Um, now, they found him along with another man who may be American. They described him, another man as, as American. Um, his name is Zaid Abed El Hamid, also sometimes spelled, um, Hamid is spelled H-A-M-I-D or sometimes H-A-M-E-D. 
Um, and they found also some other foreign fighters, including citizens of Ireland and Pakistan. And they were taken during an occupation that targeted the Islamic State's last pocket of control in northern Syria. Now, there have been so far only four other, at the time that Warren, that, um, that Christopher Clark was captured, at that time there were only four other Americans known to have been captured on the battlefield in Iraq and Syria. Uh, and very few Americans have returned to the U.S. after joining the terrorist group. Now, if so if Mr. Clark and Mr. Hamid um, are extradited to the U.S., they would only be the 15th and 16th American adults to return from joining ISIS in Iraq and Syria, to return. That doesn't mean they're the only ones there, but to return to America. But now to put it in context, the Brits have hundreds of returnees. And of course, this is a major problem and also in France as well, because um, these people are very dangerous when they come home unless they've been um, put in jail right away. So um, it's thought that, that his letter uh, not only show his naivete, but they also seem to suggest, or at least the people who captured him or the uh, think the people who found the documents and so on believe that he was drawn to the Islamic State's promise of building a Muslim-only state. So now as far as the other man captured along Mr. Clark, they know that his age is 35. Um, they describe him as being originally from the United States, but it's not really clear because his name is on a database of 130 Trinidadians who joined the Islamic State. Um, and this Mr. Hamid has been identified as an extremist since at least 2011 when he was detained in Trinidad as part of an alleged plot to kill the country's prime minister. So he is thought, Mr. Hamid is thought to have joined the terrorist group on April 6, 2014, along with his wife and his three children. And they have a video, an ISIS video, in which a much plumper Mr. Hamid appears sitting by a stream complaining about how his family could not practice their faith in Trinidad. So it's possible that Mr. Hamid is a dual citizen. Um, well, when we come back, uh, if that's, keep, keep this in mind, this teacher from Texas uh, applying for a job um, in, with ISIS. <laughs> and uh, a job as a teacher, I mean, you know, the irony or um, the irony or the, I don't know, the, um, you have to wonder, did he plan, it would seem like he, when he applied to be a teacher, he was also thinking of doing more than being a teacher if he wound up being on the battlefield um, helping ISIS. But I guess his, he was hoping that his, his ticket there would be um, through, um, through being a teacher and also that uh, if perhaps that that wouldn't be as suspicious if, these, if this was intercepted by the U.S., but of course now his real motivation has been clear. Uh, I have an, another story for you that a person who was an American who was found after Christopher Clark, um, and, and this, is all in, this is all discovered in January. I mean, the year, <laughs> the larger topic that we're talking about today is what ISIS is plotting for 2019. 
And um, these two Americans, or three, if you want to count the other one that I talked to, talked to you about besides Christopher Clark, Mr. Hamid, these um, Americans, this, this has come out just in the uh, beginning. I mean, 2019 has hardly begun, and we're already finding pretty shocking things um, that are happening. So basically, ISIS is not dead, nor is Al-Qaeda. So okay, now that I've given you the buildup, <laughs> Um, after the teacher found on the battlefield, a 16-year-old American boy was caught fighting for ISIS in Syria. So also on the Syrian battlefield, we not just a 34-year-old teacher, but a 16-year-old American boy. Now his name has not been released because he's a minor, but um, he was found on the battlefield. He is the first American minor to be caught fighting on behalf of the terrorist group overseas. So we have firsts in, in 2019 <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to begin the year. We have all of these firsts that are rather concerning, to say the least. Um, he, he was captured. Um, he, was, he was among eight foreign fighters who were apprehended this week in the last sliver of Islamic State-held territory in northeastern Syria. There were also citizens of Germany, Russia, Ukraine, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan, which is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll be talking to you in a future, um, a future uh, show about how um, the stands, the Russian, uh, Russia, and all these countries that I just mentioned, um, are are now considered to be an emerging, uh, more an emerging danger, more dangerous than before. So that is something to look forward to. And of course, now that we've seen um, this capture of these citizens, uh, that goes along with this prediction that these Russian-related um, countries. Russia and related countries uh, are going to be big in 2019, to, to be bigger than we've seen them be before. So um, now again, remember, this is all under the heading today of what ISIS is plotting for 2019. Uh, now I know these people who I'm talking to you about obviously came to the, to the, um, to the Syrian battlefield before, 2019. They were just, um, this has just come out now. But uh, the point is that there are all of these new um, ways that terrorists, that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are trying to wreak havoc and, and on the West um, because, you know, as we have made more um, protection, if we've, as we've protected things more uh, here, for example, um, they have found ways of getting around it. I've talked about the bringing, bringing toxins in, nerve agents in, in water bottles to Disney World. And now I'm telling you about Americans who have been found on the battlefield in Syria with helping ISIS on the battlefield, which is, which is a new wrinkle. Um, now, the uh, United States officials have estimated that 295 Americans have either joined or tried to join militant groups in Iraq and Syria. 
they, this is an estimate. You know, now they've actually been been um, been um, capturing some, but this of these two hundred and ninety five, it's not clear how many of these recruits successfully made it to the battle zone, nor which terrorist group they joined. And then there's a, uh, a database that's maintained by the Program on Extremism, and they say uh, 55 American nationals joined, they identified 55 American nationals who joined the Islamic State. And again, this is such a small number. It's, it's a large number in a way because you have to wonder who are these. I mean, you know, when you think about it, a teacher from Texas and a 16-year-old boy from America, um, somewhere in America, uh, these are not the typical people who you would think of would go to the battlefields in the Middle East and join ISIS. So, um, so these, you know, the, these numbers of more Americans, um, you have to wonder who they are and the fact that it's somebody like a teenager or somebody like a, um, a, uh, a teacher, an American teacher would do this just speaks to how, how, what are, how vulnerable America is that, you know, you would expect a different kind of demographic to be attracted to this. So if these are the kinds of people who find themselves on the Syrian battlefield, then what about these other people, you know, 295 joined or may have joined or tried to join <laughs> um, and how many made it, made it to the battlefield? I mean, you know, in other words, there, there's a lot of unknowns, but um, in France, there are at least 1400 people who are believed to have joined, at least. That's, that's number seen. There have been bigger numbers than that. Uh, but that's the latest uh, in a January report. Now, um, the 16-year-old is the only American minor caught on the battlefield. There are other American teenagers who have been found in Islamic State-controlled territory. For example, a 15-year-old girl from Kansas was repatriated from Syria after her father forced her to travel to the war zone and made her marry an ISIS fighter. And when they captured her, she was pregnant at the time. Now, you know, a father bringing his 15-year-old daughter uh, to Syria's, making her marry an ISIS fighter, you know, being um, happy, presumably, that she got pregnant, and then she was captured. Now, of course, the biggest risk is teenage girls who are seduced, literally seduced on the internet by terrorists in the Middle East. But here, we, here this isn't a case of a, of a teenage girl going on the internet and being seduced. Um, it's her father who brought her there to marry an ISIS fighter. Um, now, of course, then there are, have been American teenagers who have been arrested for trying to carry out attacks uh, on behalf of terrorists inside the United States. And some examples of that are a boy, 16-year-old boy named Zachariah Abdin. He uh, was in South Carolina, and he was accused of plotting an attack against soldiers on behalf of the Islamic State at six, age 16. He's older now. When he was 16, um, he plotted this attack. And he initially pled guilty to a firearms offense, 
and they sentenced him to one year in a juvenile facility. Now, this is a great example of how um, people who, who really initially have an idea, a plan, a plot to help ISIS become a terrorist, it is very questionable uh, as to whether they should be let out or let out with a lot more proof that they still don't have these um, ideals. Because, you know, they, I'm sure that they figured that this was, he was given um, leniency. He was 16. I'm sure they figured, oh, he's only 16 years old. He just made a mistake. And okay, he's going to plead guilty to a firearms offense and um, go to a juvenile facility where undoubtedly they thought that he was cured of his terrorist leanings. But then when he, um, after his parole, he tried to travel to Syria. And at 18, when he was 18, and that's when the Justice Department finally charged him with providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization. So in other words, the leper didn't change his spots. He didn't decide just because he was put in a juvenile facility um, and just because he got a little older, he didn't change his mind and decide that now, okay, I'm not going to become a terrorist. Another example of an American teenager who um, was plotted, who plotted to um, do something on behalf of terrorists, was a, a young boy, 17-year-old boy, Santos Cologne. Uh, he was in New Jersey, and in 2017, he pled guilty to participating in a plot to kill Pope Francis during a mass in Philadelphia two years earlier. So when he was Presumably when he was 15, he, um, he's 17 and he pled guilty. Well, he was a teenager. It, it might have been when he was 15. Uh, well, it was obviously in 2015. In any case, he was a teenager, 15 or 17, and um, he was released to a halfway house pending sentencing, and he currently faces up to 15 years in prison. So... Hopefully, um, they will learn from some of these previous mistakes, like Zechariah, to not just assume that um, his stay in a halfway house cured him of wanting to be a terrorist. I mean, it's really sad that we have to think this way. Um, I certainly, as a psychiatrist, want to do believe that people are able to change, of course, and do believe that um, if they get the right kind of treatment, and, and we haven't really, so far there has not been a, um, a perfect cure, counter-terrorist cure, for people who wanted to be terrorists. Um, so it's very difficult to assume, even though of course you could feel sorry for someone who is a teenager and um, plots to do things on behalf of terrorists, so one is, becomes essentially a terrorist themselves, you want to believe that they can change. And I think we will find ways. I think there is a way. I would love to have a chance to put these people, especially teenagers, on my couch and get them to change. But it takes a lot more work than I think the, than the, what is being, what is being done today. I think a lot of that is, um, too simplistic, um, too, it goes a lot deeper, in other words, than, um, than 
than doing something on, on a simplistic level. I mean, it really goes, goes to um, talking about getting the, the kids, teenagers, to talk about their life, their childhood. Um, you know, what went on in their childhood that make them want to rebel like this. It's not like enough to, to tell them, to say, oh, well, it's not, you know, you shouldn't think this way, basically. Um, you really have to go much more in depth into the traumas that happened in their childhood that made them want to rebel. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.